Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We are back after what was, in many ways, an unconvincing stretch from the Celtics going one and one, beating the hampered Bucks and then dropping a nice lead there against the Cavs. Joining us to talk all about it, Mr. Wayne Spoony. Spoons, how you doing, sir? I'm doing really well. I would have been a lot doing a lot better if we had recorded this Friday night or Saturday afternoon <laughs> on the East Coast. For sure. Uh, but I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to talk about it. I think there's a there's a lot to get to with these last two performances, I think. Yeah, we're going to pick it apart here. Let's just start very broad, though, from the Cavs game, Spoonie. What were sort of the key takeaways from your perspective? I think the first thing is the bench mob. So they got some run in the first half, and they actually did all right. You know, I think they were minus two or four and you know a good five six minutes and it was like hockey subs man Eam put all five bench players out there I believe it was Pritchard Neesmith Romeo Grant and Jabari Parker at center <laughs> and somehow <laughs> some way they actually did all right and hell the defense looked really good some like some yeah. way I don't know how uh, and then he went back to it and I think for all intents and purposes, that lineup completely lost us the game. All of the, the Cavs went on basically a 17-0 run between the third quarter and a couple minutes in the fourth quarter. Although Neesmith did get subbed out uh, before the fourth quarter started when we were still up 12 or 14. So I don't know. Coincidence? I don't know, but <laughs> probably not. So yeah. uh, I think there's a lot you could talk about, you know, should he've had a quicker hook on those guys? I mean, we were down three rotation, you know, our second best player, Horford, who's really been our third or fourth best player this season, and Richardson, who, you know, for all his faults, is at least a solid veteran presence on the bench. So you got to get Tatum and especially Rob rest at some point, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's ways he could have maybe staggered these lineups a little bit. But I get why it worked in the first half. Let's see if we can go to it. Steal five, six minutes of rest. Uh, but man, did that 
implode. Uh, and once the Cavs, <laughs> once the Cavs wrestled, uh, wrestled, uh, the momentum, I guess. Momentum, yes. Thank you. That is the word I was looking for. <laughs> I got you back, it's a pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty common one, too. Uh, once they wrestled the momentum away, I, it was just, you know, you kind of felt like we could just never quite get over the hump and get it back. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I've got to admit to all the listeners out there, I am filling in for Celtics J, who was a late scratch from this one, and uh, I got the call up from Spoonie to, to step in and host this one. I was watching this game on my phone, in the car, while we were out on a family day, uh, it was Sunday here in Sydney, and uh, my wife was kind enough to drive while I sat in the passenger seat and, and <laughs> caught some of the game on my phone, including the uh, the Dennis Schroeder game winning attempt, which we'll get to. But it seemed like there was sort of there was, I want to say three pronged criticism or three uh, targets of, of fan criticism after this one. One of them was Tatum, which we'll get to, and the other uh, two points that you already sort of touched on there, Spoonie, was um, the the bench mob. And the league's uh, best 15th man in Jabari Parker finishing a um, negative 17 in this game, a team low, <laughs> game low. Uh, and then there was Ime Odoka sort of maybe leaning too heavily on the whole, well, it's the second night of a back-to-back. We've got the Cavs in their arena again in two days' time. I need to rest my guys. Um, and letting it slip away, letting go of the rope and never really, you know, being able to claw back. And even though we did have, an, you know, I guess the opportunity to send it into OT. Um, you just never want to be there in that situation being up. I don't know, what was it, 17 or whatever they were in the, in the third quarter there. Yeah, it was 19. Um, 19, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, are there any positive takeaways from this game that you sort of, uh, I don't know, you repeat over in your mind to sort of help yourself fall asleep at night, Spoonie? I think the biggest takeaway is that the defense was still fucking awesome. I mean, they gave up nine points in the first quarter, and some of that was Cleveland missing shots. But when you're playing really great defense and you don't get a ton of wide open shots, it can be hard to make them because you have no confidence, right? Like, it's like they say about hockey goalies or soccer goalies, like, you almost want to get a few shots in to keep you warm and keep you invested in the game because then you let that goofy one slip through if you don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, yeah, they missed some open shots, but for the most part, man, the defense was absolutely everywhere basically until that late third quarter run. Uh, and then even still, I mean, part of that was just the Cavs got kind of hot, Um but you give up 91 points in the modern NBA, you should probably win the game, frankly. Uh, we did not, obviously, <laughs> better or for worse. Uh, I think uh, Smart did not score, which is not ideal. Well, he did. He he got a he buried a couple free throws, but he did not make a field goal. But as right. weird as to say, this is like a classic Marcus Smart sentence. I thought he played great. Uh, you know, he yeah. was moving the ball. <laughs> he was passing it around. He was not taking dumb shots. And his defense is all the way back this year. I mean, Five he steals. has been... I know. He was everywhere. He was absolutely everywhere, directing people. Um, and really, Rob is just unreal at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. he's averaging 32 minutes a night. He came into this season having played more than 30 minutes like three times in his career, and he's mm-hmm. averaging 32. He had the worst defensive rating on the team last year. This year he's fifth. He's bunched up right around with all the other starters and Jay's favorite, Dennis Schroeder. 
and he's just basically <laughs> averaging a double double. He his I was very critical of his defense last year. I think he was super overrated on defense because he gets steals and he obviously gets blocks and people notice that. But if you look, part of the reason we had such a bad defense was because Rob just had no idea where to be. He has like completely sure. corrected that. And can you think of the last time he bit on a bad pump fake? I don't think it happened this season. Maybe, yeah, and maybe he used the first to... game or two, maybe on Julius yeah, Randle maybe. or something like that. But for the most part, yeah. Not only in the right position defensively and offensively, but, you know, other players have been quoted after various games. I think Grant Williams most recently saying, like, Rob's calling out the shots on defense, like very Kevin Garnett style, like just making sure everyone's position, calling out screens and rotations and switches and things like that and mm-hmm. keeping everyone in check. You add to that the high field goal percentage, um, the durability spoons, like you mentioned, the fact that he's playing sort of Crazy. like at, at minimum low 30 minutes per game. That's honestly, it's maybe my sort of top five anxiety inducing things in my life right now, which says I live a comfortable life, but also that Robert <laughs> Williams is not made for, for that kind of uh, wear and tear. So uh, I hope that it's sustainable at this point because uh, he really has been a bright spot in, you know, let's call it an inconsistent season. Um, whether or not he's playing himself into, I feel like I say this way too often right now, into longevity with the Celtics or into a trade package for a star, I guess that's a good problem to have. But in the meantime, I'm just enjoying um, a heavy dose of Time Lord on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, I think we're right to be terrified because we saw what happens when one of Rob or Al doesn't play. And apparently it's Jabari Parker as our backup center, which is just like not okay. I was kind of mm-hmm. half joking, but I tweeted last night like, let's just go get Daniel Tice. Like, just right? get, like he, he, <laughs> just we? trade for him. <laughs> just trade for him. We need a... Th- yeah, I mean, why not, right? Houston doesn't need him. They're not using him. <laughs> we need a third <laughs> well, so center that's not Jabari. The Rockets are more favorable with the nation of China from last time I checked. I don't know if that relationship is intact, but uh, I don't know. There might be something there shipping Cantor off for, uh, for Tice if we can make the salaries work. <laughs> yeah, uh, that actually I, China <laughs> loves them because of Yao. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now we're cancelled in China for mentioning Yeah, that. right. Yeah, um, true. We've got to get to Jason Tatum. It was a tough game for JT. It's been a tough season. He's had a number of games, uh, you know, the earliest one being against the Charlotte Hornets and then against Dallas where it's like, okay, he's clearly figured it out. And there's almost been, despite the, the poor shooting, this impressive element where it's like, wow, you know, um, one thing you can say about all superstars is that they are able to impact the game despite their poor shooting. We've seen that from Tatum a lot, maybe not so much in this Cavs game. Um, what are your overall thoughts on on Tatum from recent days, Spoonie? Uh, I will say the Cavs game, I think, was a step backwards. I thought that Raptors game, I think he was like 8 of 20 or 8 of 22. I thought that was one of the best games I've ever seen him play. He mm-hmm. abs- I think he had 12 and 7 assists, 12 boards, 7 assists, a ton of potential assists. He just, everything we did on offense started with him getting by his guy and then making the correct decision. I mean, he was just so good on both ends and on the glass in that game. And I thought he carried that over somewhat to the Milwaukee game as well. But last night, I mean, I think people are being a little harsh on him. Like, yeah, he's not making Anyone shots. Anyone in particular? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I, I very much respect our our good friend Joe's opinion. Uh, that colleague, yeah. I, yeah, our colleague, yeah. I actually don't think he's wrong. I I just think we're at the point... What what we're talking about is Joe... I, I'd almost think we should, you know, next time he's on, he can talk about it. I don't want to make his yeah. argument for we're him. We're going to let him fend for himself. Yeah, exactly. But just know Joe has some serious concerns that I don't think are unfounded. I, I tend to agree with them somewhat uh, about Tatum's game. Uh, but regardless, he's like, make two, three more shots a game, a game away from really putting it together and really having kind of the whole package going. Like it's, these are like razor thin margins we're talking about on a game to game basis. Like he makes two more threes all of a sudden, you know, in that Milwaukee game, instead of 10 to 25, he's 12 to 25 and he went for like 30, you know, seven and two or whatever it was. And he's really starting, you know, we're not having these discussions anymore. And we've had so many overtime games. We've probably won, you know, a lot more games. Yeah. <laughs> Our record's probably a lot better, too. So I am I am getting frustrated, though. It's really hard to watch him miss all these jump shots, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a post on the sub pretty recently, just three hours ago at the time of recording, from user Peppery Pineapple. Uh, it's going to test the pop filter on my microphone. Uh, <laughs> due to a recent focus on passing on the Celtics... I took a look at every Tatum possession from last night's game. And I go on to write, so I think everyone has been a little down about some of Tatum's offensive game to start the season. I was working during last night's game, but I noticed some comments criticizing him for not passing and playing selfish iso ball. I wanted to take a more in-depth look as I felt uh, he'd been more willing to pass, a more willing passer rather, ever since Smart's media comments. So I wrote down every Tatum offensive touch while watching. I left out two touches where he got fouled so early in the possession that it felt like it was irrelevant to discussing his offensive game. And then there's a really nice, obviously at this point, Redditor, you should pause and check out this post on the subreddit, but there's a really nice sort of outline of, uh, of his possessions and touches throughout the game. Spoonie, what do you think this sort of highlights about this performance? And I guess like relative to his good performance against the Raptors, and more importantly, how fans should perceive this current Tatum stretch? Yeah, I think... Um I think the big thing is we as fans have tons of confirmation bias. We remember the three bad shots he took and just assume all the shots he missed were bad shots, right? I mean, that's just how humans think. It's what we do. So I think this post does a really good job of being like, look, a lot of these bad shots were he's the victim of his circumstances. Like one Schroeder dribbled for 15 seconds, lost the ball. Tatum had to pick it up in the backcourt, dribble up and fire up a deep three. You know, we after a couple dribble moves because we had six seconds or whatever it is. Like, yeah, that's a bad ISO shot. But mm -hmm. in a vacuum, sure, that's true. But if you're watching, like, not really. Like, what the hell else is he? Who else do you want taking that shot? Maybe smart because he makes <laughs> crazy stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe Schroeder after the way he's been playing. Um, but I do think he definitely is still working through being kind of the number one guy. Like, this is the first time he's not had basically an all-star point guard on the roster next to him. I know Kemba was in and out of the lineup last year, but the team was still designed around having an all-star point guard on it. This year, that's just not the case, although Schroeder, maybe he's playing like it, or maybe he thinks he's an all-star this year. <laughs> uh, so I think 
Tatum is struggling to find the mix of when to pass and when to shoot. Uh, and he's in the post a lot, which I just don't think he's comfortable doing. So I just think we need to take a deep breath, focus on when he passes when we're watching the game, right? Like, let's let's look. Like, how often is he really taking these dumb shots? Because they happen, no doubt about it. But if you're looking for what else he's doing, I think you'll see that he really is trying to make plays for others. I do think he's driving to the rim a lot more. I think he's making a concerted effort to do it. It's not always successful. He loses the handle sometimes. He's got to get a lot better at that. Um, But also there's no spacing on the floor. That makes it pretty difficult to drive to the rim too. So I think it just goes back to the fact that he's a 23-year-old guy who's going to try to take the reins of a team with expectations and he's stumbling a little bit. But I don't think he's so far away from being that guy. I, I think it's achievable and I think it's encouraging that he is trying to work on these things and work out the kinks early in the season, even though sometimes it's very, very painful to watch. <laughs> Absolutely, it can be. But you're right. Context is everything. And yeah, at the end of the day, afterwards, a game that we lose, like to this, this Cavs team, for example, you can look back and say, I wish Tatum didn't take you know whatever turnaround fadeaway ISO shot. If you look at the passing options available to him, Maybe in a split second, it's okay that Tatum decides I'm better off taking this contested shot than Grant Williams is taking, you know, a heavily closed out three or whatever it might be. So, yeah, context really does apply there. Uh, You mentioned the lack of Kemba. If you look at sort of Tatum's career path so far, you know, he begins his Celtic career with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward on the team, Al Horford, people that absolutely add spacing to an offense. And then, you know, as his career continues on, Jalen Brown's getting better. He's drawing more defensive attention. Gordon Hayward, obviously his stretch with the Celtics wasn't great, but he definitely draws defensive attention. Oh, yeah. Uh, We move on from Kyrie Irving. Then we get Kemba Walker up until the end of last year. You know, he demands attention. He can pop the three ball as well. And look this year, and aside from Jalen Brown, who hasn't been playing, there's not really anyone else on the roster. Maybe I was going to say maybe Grant Williams, but probably not. There's no one that really demands, like the coach is saying, no matter what Tatum does, stay on your man. Like, don't leave don't leave Jabari Parker open. You know, like, we don't have any of those guys. And, and if you watch, like, the defense yeah. as a whole is like sort of swarming the paint whenever Tatum gets in there. You combine that with the fact that Udoka is running more of these post-up plays for Tatum. It's crowded in there, man. Like, it's it's there's not a lot of room to operate. And... Yeah, Tatum's young, there's room for growth in his decision-making, but there's no room in the paint. That's going to be difficult. So, yeah, I think that, you know, maybe I'm a homer, maybe I'm biased, but I think people are closing the curtains prematurely on, on Tatum as far as, like, what he can become and what his true potential is. Um, and, you know, the nature of the beast with the NBA and these podcasts is, like, we react on a game-by-game basis. That This yep. last one wasn't a good game, and uh, here we are. Um, on the Tatum front, though, so with Udoka and the Celtics and their defense and how that's evolved so quickly and become part of the team's identity and become, I guess, truly the first uh, outcome of Udoka's tenure that we can sort of tangibly look at and track and be like, okay, this is something that Udoka has introduced to the team. Clearly, that's a, a solid addition 
as a result of his hire. Given how that's progressed so quickly, does that give you hope with the offensive side of things and more specifically the Tatum side of things that with more time and more Udoka influence, that might turn around as well? You know, I'm I'm willing to give him time on the offensive side of the ball, absolutely. Um, I think it just goes back to we really, really need shooters, man. So on the in the next day thread on that Cleveland game, user SR Stone seventy one said, "I won't deny there's an intestinal fortitude issue with this team, but I think that's secondary compared to the bigger issue, which is lack of shooting." The sad truth is that a lot of teams have better shooting than the Celtics, especially the current iteration where Jalen is hurt and Tatum is in a huge funk. So we can talk about grit and hustle and all those buzzwords, but at the end of the day, when teams start to get hot late in games against us, we don't have the shooters to match. And I mm-hmm. think that was that's really apparent in just about every game we play. I mean, can you think of another team that's starting one guy that's a good shooter for his position. And Tatum hasn't even been a good shooter for his position Mm -hmm. yet. I mean, (laughs) and Horford's been dreadful and smart. I mean, he can get hot. He's not bad. I think he's a little better than people give him credit for, but it's not like he's getting guarded like Duncan Robinson and teams dare Schroeder to shoot. I mean, he's making them and he's punishing them, but he's not getting guarded either. Yeah, right now, and he's going to go through a cold streak, and he's going to end up at 33 34% like he always does. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, there's no spacing. Like, I mean, it, part of it's like, uh, part of Jalen fixes a lot of these problems, I think, in a lot of ways, and ha- Horford's starting to shoot well, um, and Tatum's starting to shoot better. And Smart getting on a little hot street streak um, is will make things better. Like, it's not always going to look this bad. It's not going to always be this difficult. But you can only design an offense that can be so effective if the teams are just packing the paint, right? Like, all the off-ball movement and cutting in the world is not going to do anything if you catch a pass in the paint and there's three guys on you. And you can't yeah. punish that by hitting your open shots. So, um I'd be interested to see how we look when things start to normalize a little bit with the three-point shooting. And if it's still kind of ugly, uh, then we'll then I'll get, start to get concerned. But right now, I'm super confident in what Ime's done with the defense. So he's definitely bought himself probably a year or two, frankly, with how good the defense looks to figure this thing out. Yeah, it's really impressive. I haven't looked at the yeah. stats recently, but we're, we're definitely trending towards having the top defense in the nba oh yeah yeah like you said add a bit of shooting to that and suddenly you've got like a top 10 top 5 net rating overall um so it's been a rough start a lot of that has had to do with Jalen being out and tatum's poor shooting but there's certainly a lot to feel good about long term um i asked this to celtics jay the other day and his immediate response was no i'll ask you spoonie do you feel like Jalen's absence has been a blessing in disguise for the rest of the team, because they were relying on his scoring punch and ISOing him successfully, mind you. Now that he's been away for a while, the rest of the team's kind of had to figure out how to play together and, and try and scrape through some of these wins. Um, so do you feel like it's been a blessing in disguise, and do you anticipate the team looking a little different um, when Jalen returns? So 
I'd say I'm going to middle you here and kind of say yes and no. Okay. Uh, I do think it's a it's a good thing long term to get guys like Romeo reps with the starters and Grant reps with the starters. Um, but I'm not sure any of those guys have really stepped into the void as much as we would have hoped. Uh, but part of the reason I don't think it's a good thing is if your end goal is at game 82, we need to be the absolute best version of this team. That version is going to include Jalen Brown. So it's nice to let these guys go out there and play and get more minutes. But ultimately, like we've got a new team, a lot of new faces and a new coach. I think the best thing long term is that Jalen is playing right now so we can figure out who of those guys complements the Jays the best for the long term. Because right now it's like, okay, yeah, Grant looks bad in 35 minutes a game like I could have told you that, but we kind of have to play him, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think ultimately I'd agree with Jay. I, I'm, I don't think it's a blessing in disguise other than Schroeder's. It's a blessing in disguise for him because uh, he's making himself a lot of money with the way he's been playing. Yeah, it's in disguise, all right. Uh, sort of on on that, as far as Grant and Neesmith and, and Pritchard and the bench and whatnot, this is a comment from... And Sergio, this is on the next day thread, and they write, Langford, Grant Williams, Neesmith, and Pritchard were supposed to be the depth and upside for Jalen and Jason. How do you see them right now? Is there hope for Romeo? Uh, There is, and we did a a very uh, solid video on that on our YouTube channel, like, subscribe. Uh, And they go on to say, Grant will be the envisioned Tucker slash Draymond. Neesmith came before Sadiq Bey and Desmond Bain, and PP has regressed. Um. So I, I guess you commented on the depth. Is there anyone sort of specifically you want to go into there? Spoonie, I know you had a post recently on, on Neesmith and his defense and some issues there. Yeah, so um, I think the narrative around Neesmith is truly bizarre. Uh, it's like people just accept he's terrible at defense and like no amount of evidence to the contrary can change their mind. So I literally <laughs> went through every single defensive possession he was Involved in, not even involved in, every single defensive possession he was on the court for against Cleveland. And I was like, I do not think he's doing bad. Someone please come here and explain to me why everyone talks about him like he's the worst defender in the league. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there were some people who kind of was like, well, on this play, he, you know, got beat a little more than you gave him credit for. So, all right. But for the most part, no one had it. Everyone was like, yeah, no, he looked pretty good on defense if you actually look at it. So um, I just think, like, I did the same thing with the Mavs. I didn't write about it, but I went back and watched every single defensive possession that game he had 20, 20 minutes. He was totally fine. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not perfect. He's not good, but he's not, like, endlessly getting roasted like we have PTSD from seeing Kemba in the playoffs, right? <laughs> so play him. I want to see him play. Like, how can we draw any conclusions about Neesmith? He doesn't play. Um, Romeo, I'm I'm actually very happy with Romeo. He hasn't been amazing, but I think he's had his moments. He's looked solid on defense. He's He hasn't even played 82 games in his career. So I think for having missed all that time from injury, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with Romeo. I don't mm-hmm. really have any concern with him. I think he's going to carve out a nice role in the NBA. Grant... He's the 10th man. 
He's not he's not PJ Tucker or Draymond, <laughs> right? He's a tenth man. That's fine. He's a twenty second pick. You get a tenth man, maybe ninth. That's cool. Um the problem with those three guys is that they're all compliments to better players. So when you roll them out in like an all bench unit, it's gonna look ugly. Yep. And Schroeder was supposed to be the guy, like, I will be the good player on the bench, and you all can compliment me, and we can rotate in the Jays, and it was all supposed to work great, but Schroeder's had to start, so it's looked ugly. Mm-hmm. Pritchard, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm getting a little <laughs> worried about Pritchard. Bit of he a regression? Looks, yeah, he looks bad on defense, and I just think he's not playing, so he's got no confidence on offense, because he... He's a gunner, man. He's got a gun. Like, fire away. And he's just not. I mean, are you concerned at all with PP? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. coming out of last year, it kind of felt like a bit of a steal, like a sort of a, a parting gift from, from Danny Age, uh, basically the last draft pick he ever made for the Celtics, uh, unless I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, the mask maybe is a contributing factor, just like the ball as far as Tatum shooting. People have responded to the the change of ball from Spalding to Wilson differently, and therefore it's probably fair to assume that the mask affects people differently. I don't know. I've never worn one. I've never been in the trenches and and put myself in a situation where I would have a broken face, (laughs) thankfully. Um, But yeah, it hasn't looked great on defense. Uh, There was a comment on your post about Neesmith from user Infinity1567. This is obviously in regards to Neesmith. They go on to write, it really seems like he's playing with no confidence right now. Eme has both him and Pritchard on a really tight leash, like you said. Um, and it's definitely affecting Peyton Pritchard. Confidence is a factor. Like when you shoot the ball, you need to believe that shit's going in. And yep. I think that probably applies in many facets of the game. So it's unfortunate because we've got these first round picked young crop of talent. And they're just not getting those very necessary developmental minutes they're probably too good for the g league so they're kind of in limbo here a little bit it's uh it's tough to see and i don't see that improving at all from their standpoint you know once we have our our full complement back that if anything there's going to be less minutes available to them so maybe there's a situation where dennis schroeder who i think we should get to in a moment uh is traded because we're not long for him or he's not long for us or however you want to spin it and, and maybe some minutes open up for, for Pritchard and Neesmith. But, yeah, it's tough because, like, you kind of feel like, I don't want to say we own them. That's, like, that's the wrong terminology. But, like, I don't know, like, we grew up with them or they grew up with us. They're part of the family. They were homegrown talent. And uh, yeah. to see them on the bench there like that and not playing uh, and then subsequently sucking when they do play um, is tough. Should we talk about this Milwaukee game? Because we haven't had a podcast since then. And in contrast to the Cavs game, a lot of similarities, but one standout talent from that Bucks game is one Dennis Schroeder. And a good friend of ours, obviously a high contributing, highly active member of the show, Celtics J. Uh, I want to I be careful not to like put him in, in hot water here, but he kind of went off on Dennis Schroeder a little bit. It was actually the leading oh, kinda. Like, comment. <laughs> You know, after a game where Tatum, you know, was incredible and, and we beat the Raptors, his his first take was um to really go hard in on uh, on Dennis Schroeder there. So um Wayne Spoonie, I wanna 
I want to allow you to respond to to Jay's criticism of of Dennis Schroeder, and then sort of add, you know, how subsequently he's been uh, pretty fucking amazing. If I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, Schroeder's been great. Jay, you need to talk down your boy Marcus Smart so he starts scoring a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it's just hilarious that Jay basically did a 45-minute podcast about how much Dennis Schroeder sucks, and he goes for 36 the next night. <laughs> it just, it was just too perfect, man. Uh, that game was pretty disappointing, I'll say. Uh, you know, anytime you go to overtime against Milwaukee without Giannis, because I think Jalen and Middleton cancel each other out. So like, we're not going to talk about Chris Middleton here, but they didn't have Giannis. That's kind of a big deal. But I think the biggest thing I take away from that game, and it goes back to what we were just talking about. That's what it can look like when you have five shooters on the floor. You know, they've got, um, Grayson Allen out there. He could shoot. Bobby Portis could shoot. George Hill can shoot. Drew can shoot. And it's like, even though these guys aren't like amazing players, they don't get dusted on defense. They're good enough on defense. And if you kick it to them, it's going in. Like, Mm -hmm. it makes the game very, very simple and very, very easy. So, um, you know, that's going to be one of those games we just kind of forget about and as I, I think I said, a win's a win's a win, man. Chalk that one up in the win column and just move it on. We don't want to yeah. talk about that one too much. It was pretty ugly. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the defense was amazing again. That's great. And moving on to the next one, on to Cleveland. Yeah, and we've got Cleveland again in their building again tomorrow, so weird. which is going to be interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever... I've ne- normally, it's a home and home. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've never bizarre. seen that before. I uh, just a quick comment on on Dennis Schroeder very quickly. Uh, it's so important that his shot is going down because you can see the the dribble penetration he was getting, and whenever Bobby Portis got switched on to Schroeder, he was just like getting to the bucket Blowing by on every possession. Yeah. But like so much of that was that the defense was guessing a little bit. Certainly not in the scouting report, but once that shot started falling for for Schroeder, mm-hmm. you know they were sort of on their toes or on their heels a little bit and not decisively defending him. And it allowed him to operate in a way that we're, we're not necessarily used to, um, which is really good to see. Celtics, Jay, if you could next call out Jason Tatum's uh, oh, shooting, please. I think that'd be a good place to start. <laughs> and then we can kind of work our way down sort of the priority level of what other areas we need to uh, improve. So uh, thank you for that, mate. Just kidding. Um, let's get to the Reddit recap very quickly. Uh, unless there's anything else on either of those games that you wanted to touch on, no. Spoonie, before we move nope. on. So I'll let you um, talk about this post mostly because I uh, was unprepared and, and didn't load it up. But there's a post from Reddit user, sure. indubitably good sir. I struggle with that word. I'm glad I was able to get it out. They they the headline of that post was the Celtics are using Jason Tatum wrong. Um. So th- I actually tweeted something similar about this. I, I've been on this for a while. Is Tatum just is not running pick and roll? I mean, he is, but not many pick and rolls. Right. So. Uh, this indubitably good sir does a great job. He lays out, okay, so he ISOs essentially 24% of his possessions. He's in the 31st percentile. As a pick-and-roll ball handler, he's 16% of his possessions. He's in the 79th percentile of the entire <laughs> league. Not wings, not forwards. That includes guards, point guards, everybody. That's bordering on elite, especially for a guy who's 6'8", 6'9". Um, that's actually down from 27, 28% of his possessions being a pick and roll ball handler last year. So 
Can we, I mean, it kind of begs the question, is some of this bad start how he's being used? I mean, I think, Ben, am I crazy, or do you think he's posting up more? Because uh, NBA tracking data doesn't really say he is, but I feel like he catches in the post every other possession. Yeah, the eye test uh, certainly agrees with that. And yeah, that lack of spacing that we I feel like we talk about every podcast now doesn't put him in a position to succeed when he is posting up. Absolutely. But I'm seeing it more for sure. Yeah. And I think that probably get tracked as ISOs a lot of the times because he'll face mm-hmm. up um, sometimes or he'll drive out of it. But uh, I just think like you've got this guy whose game, I mean, Tatum's game is more Steph Curry than it is uh, Julius Randle, right? Like, he's much more of a, you have to respect the threat of my three ball, and I build my entire offensive game off of that, then I'm going to take you down low, inside out, and then I'll also hit some threes, so you better guard me out there, too. So, I mean, the bread and butter of perimeter-oriented players like Tatum is pick-and-roll ball handler possessions. They all do it. They all do it a ton. And he's not really doing it this year. I mean... Mm -hmm. He is running it like a equivalent amount to what Marcus Smart did last season when Smart was yeah. like the fourth or fifth option on the team, right? So I've wanted uh, Ime to put the ball in his hands at the top of the key and run pick and roll with Rob or Al all season long. Uh, I do think it's it certainly is not helping him. Uh, and I think a lot of it comes down to he is missing shots. He makes a lot of the times. Uh, but I'd like to see what it looks like. Let's just do it for a couple games. Let Tatum run 10, 13 pick and rolls, and let's just see what happens, right? Let's get let's sacrifice a little bit of defense in two or three games and play shooters and run pick and roll just to see what it looks like. Because you may need that look in the playoffs. You know, you may mm-hmm. need to you may have to go to something like that in the playoffs. So uh I'm begging you, Eme. Run some damn pick and roll because <laughs> we do not run a lot this year. If anyone is listening to this podcast in Cleveland, if you could just caption that or clip that and uh, put it on a USB drive and just slide it under Ime's uh, hotel room door, that would be uh, very, <laughs> I really very appreciate much appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a that comment on, on that. guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so where would you thread sort of off-ball sets and touches for Tatum in sort of the levels of importance for areas where he can improve his game? So I I think talking about not this current bizarre iteration of Tatum, like broad spectrum, the actual, what we think the real Jason Tatum is. The uh, one we know and love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The real Jason Tatum. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think part of the problem, I do think he's pretty lazy off ball. Like, I'll just be honest. He's definitely kind of lazy off ball, but I also think a lot of it's by design, um, you know, he carries a big load offensively, so that's tiring. And he's, I mean, he plays defense, man. Like, he's not amazing defensively, especially on ball, but he plays defense. He's rebounding his ass off, and he's playing. He's, like, second in the league in minutes, right? He needs to take some plays off on offense, and he's our best spot-up shooter on the floor most of the time, so somebody's got to spread it out wide to open up the floor, right? So... He has value in literally just standing in the corner. Like, he draws defensive attention and opens up lanes for Schroeder to drive. So, yeah, he's not a dynamite off-ball player, but ultimately, 
just existing is him being a pretty good off-ball player. So yeah, I think I'd like to see him work on his handle and just improve his ability to get to the rim and keep up with his improvement in playmaking and passing well before I really worry about his off-ball stuff. Like, if it's the playoffs and there's three minutes left in the game, we want the ball in his hands, right? So, uh, I, I mean, it's a weakness, but I'm not super concerned. Yeah, and it goes back to your point earlier, Spoons, about how necessary shooting is, competent shooting is on the team because of that gravity that you talk about. Tatum being lazy off ball in the corner does so much more than your average NBA player being lazy right. off ball in the corner and that he draws defensive attention just, yeah, by existing. Is He's Jupiter, Jupiter in our solar system. He's the biggest <laughs> planet with the most gravitational pull. Uh, and exactly. I might say the most aesthetically pleasing as well. Some might say Saturn, which, you know, if we were to go down that analogy even further, we'll say that's Jalen Brown. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Tatum lazily standing in the corner is, is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that we don't have the personnel to really benefit from that. Um, we're going to wrap it up with another post here to close out the Reddit recap and the podcast. And this was asked on the sub by user Dalinar colon 725. I hope I got that right. And they ask, and this is something that's been asked regularly since um, Schroeder became good. <laughs> uh, they say, can someone with knowledge on contracts in the NBA answer a question about re-signing Schroeder? So that's you, Wade Spoody. Can we, can yeah. we re-sign Dennis Schroeder? <laughs> yeah, I've got two very important points on this. One, shout out Stormlight Archives, where that Dalinar Colin is from. I'm on book two. No, no spoilers, please. Yeah, <laughs> that's nerd shit, Ben. Real nerd shit. <laughs> Uh, and number two, yeah. <laughs> so you have to have a guy on your team for at least two years or trade for him. And, you know, he's been on the team for two years, blah, blah, blah. In order to have his um, bird rights. And those aren't even full bird rights. Uh, but in that case, you can give a guy like 175% of what he's making. If you have a guy on your team for three years, you have his full bird rights. You can give him whatever you want up to a max contract. We mm-hmm. signed Schroeder to a one-year deal. We do not have his bird rights. So all we can do is give him the mid-level exception. He's on the mini mid-level right now, uh, but the full MLE, which he is definitely not taking the mini mid-level again. That is not happening. So the full <laughs> MLE is a little over $10 million. Maybe he could do that. Um, but if you remember when we had Tristan Thompson on the team, everyone talked about us being hard capped. We're hard capped. That's because we used the full MLE on Tristan Thompson. Big mistake. Uh, but <laughs> so we'd have a lot w- less wiggle room under the tax apron um, because you can be in the tax if you're hard capped, but you can only be in the tax like six or seven million. So. If Brad really wanted to wheel and deal and take on money, we can't be hard capped, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think the odds of us even offering him the full MLE, even if he's like, I'll take it, are probably pretty low. Uh, so, you know, he's maybe worth considering if you can find a, a trade suitor for him at the deadline and it kind of looks like we're pretty middling or we don't need him. Uh that's maybe worthwhile, but that is why we probably almost like 99.9% chance shooter is not coming back. We can't offer him anything over the MLE and we probably wouldn't want to do that because of the implications of the MLE itself. 
Yeah, he is renting his house in Boston, which uh, as a yep, detail I gleaned exactly. from his YouTube channel. So, you yeah. know, I think he understands the situation here. Yeah, he uh, gets the, it. The trade, the trade possibility is interesting, especially the, like, I'm kind of licking my lips here when I see him have these games where I'm like, you know, like he's sort of playing himself into maybe a first round pick instead yeah. of a couple of seconds or whatever it might be. Um, and so there's a lot. Just well, there's a lot more than just wins to gain from these uh, Dennis Schroeder performances, so uh, it is exciting to see. Uh, is there anything else that you want to touch on, Spoonie? We've kind of covered everything in our run sheet here before we wrap this one up. Uh, I, I really don't think so, other than I'll say, like, we all need to take a deep breath. We're still four and two in our last six. That defense is going nowhere. Tatum will find a <laughs> shot. It's going to be okay. We're going to be good. We're going to win. We're going to flirt with 50 wins. We'll be all right. And if we don't, I'm sorry. I apologize. I was wrong again. <laughs> like last come year. Back, back and blame you, Spoonie, if you are, if you <laughs> yeah, are wrong. Please do. That's fine. I can yeah. take it. The, uh, the reaction from the fan base never ceases to amaze me. And I don't know why I still find it surprising after I know. You know, almost four <laughs> years of doing this podcast where like literally on a game to game basis, suddenly like smart is untradeable. And, you know, again, he's like the, the backbone of the team's culture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we love him and trust him. Two, three games ago, it was like, well, where can we trade this guy? How many cut second him. round picks? Just cut him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just eat, eat the caps, eat the money, yeah. let him go. Send him down to the G League, whatever has to happen. <laughs> Uh, it's just insane. You know, it's unfortunate for Tatum that the poor shooting has been consistent throughout the season. But um, another thing that's been consistent has been slow starts for Jason Tatum, and he's always yep. come around. And uh, and you can say you can't say this about many stars in the league, but Tatum is a playoff performer. It's early yep. in the regular season. He's young. It's a new coach. He's well and truly the alpha of this team. No more Kemba. No more Gordon Hayward, no more other Max players on the team. It's Tatum this time for the first time in his career, and he's 23. Yep. Got to give him time. We can't go yep. mentally trading him yet at this point. We've got to let the guy figure it out because, you know, what? what's the alternative? Are you going to We don't have him? one. Like, <laughs> We're totally well, fucked. We're going to draft another generational player? Like, it's Tatum or bust. We talked about yeah, this with exactly. Corrales before the season. Like, it, So yeah. just like, just relax. Let it happen. You know relax. what? Enjoy the valleys because it makes the peaks that much better, man. A lot of you are, a lot of, I think, Redditors are young, so they don't remember cheering for like the Red Sox when they were the lonely losers. But man, it made that 04 World Series sweet. So mm-hmm. enjoy him struggling. Enjoy watching a young player try to figure out, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Joe says this all the time, but these times are where we earn our stripes as fans and where you yeah. become entitled to truly rub it in the faces of other teams when that championship or whatever success does finally come our way. So it's all it's all part of the process. Trust, trust the exactly. Process. Did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a fan of the show, subscribe, share, review, all that good stuff, especially the YouTube channel that we're really trying to build up at the moment. Uh, Wayne Spoonie, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. We'll be back later in the week, I believe, after the Hawks game. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.